So the method to the madness is something that I don't think people understand. And I want to hear kind of what both of you have to say about this because there's so much information out there, you know, YouTube, Facebook, there's an ungodly amount of freely given advice. And it's all correct. Yeah. All of it. (laughs) Just ask. If it's on the internet, it's, it's, it's it's good. It's gotta be true. But I think where a lot of people get screwed up when they're training, whether it be a bird dog or a hound or a search and rescue or whatever, any kind of a working dog is the consistency in the handler is a big thing. And you have to know where you're going to get there, if that makes any sense. I had just got done recording an episode with Bear and, and John Clay, and we really hit on you got to know where you're going and have a means to get there. And it's step by step by step by step. Now everybody can have their own personal opinion on it, but when you complicate things for the dog, you're already complicated. Jason, what's the title of this podcast? Method to the madness. We just hit it. The the importance of a method. So yeah. Important importance of having a step by step method. method. So Jared was kind of describing here before we hit record. Um, Jared, explain that part. You, you went and talked to a bunch of trainers and and yeah, one of their so biggest what, complaints. What, yeah, so when I decided to start working with the public, um, I, I went with to a bunch of different trainers across, across the country, and I'm like, what is your, what's the biggest issue you have in your business as a trainer? Like, what's your biggest frustration? And their biggest frustration was they would train the dog to a certain level. The dog was doing really great from a dirt bird dog standpoint. The client would come in and he would they'd have a day and he would show him all the method and then the guy would go home and the guy wouldn't have all the same tools and the same bird launchers and woe posts and all this stuff to do the same thing the trainer did. And so three weeks down the road, the client calls the trainer and he's frustrated saying, I can't get this dog to do anything that you and I worked with that day. He worked great that day, but now all that training just seems to unravel. And I and I don't know how to you know, I can't remember all the things that we did that day. And so they were frustrated. And from a training standpoint, that's, you know, to get yeah. that call every three weeks as a trainer, I'm like, man, that would that would be super frustrating. That'd be frustrating, yeah. And so um, I'll step in now and say, and I don't I don't sell dogs, but I'm going to use the example. And, and the reason W has a policy that we don't get into dog deals is almost along the same lines is, Joe Blow will have a hound that performs well for Joe. The way he hunts, he can it catches or whatever, and he sells that dog for ten thousand dollars, you know, fifty thousand dollars, whatever it is. There's a number, right? And it's like it's a cat dog in in Joe's mind. And then he sent. You'll say he sells that to a, a beginner, and a beginner takes that dog, and slowly, now that dog starts running trash, or maybe it does, you know, different things, and so. Joe was training his dog. He had things he did. He, you know what I mean? So he had a, a what I'm going to call a method or whatever. And the new kid or new guy, maybe it's not a new kid. Maybe it's a, a, a good hunter. He doesn't do the same things. You know, the, the dog may start acting and performing differently. Is that a fair sure. analysis on the, on, the, on the hound side? Yeah, you know, the... Th- one of the big differences between the bird dogs and the hounds is the hound thing is so independent. Like he's gone, he's out doing. Whereas in the bird dog world, everything's very intimate. You're right there with them. You're seeing, you know, you're hunting together as a team. So that, yeah, it doesn't take long. I guess what I'm trying to say is 
it wouldn't take long for a bird guy, a bird dog to get uh, mixed signals. Might take a little mixed signals, um, messed up. Guy's not doing the right hand signals, or he's not doing the right cues on the e collar or whatever. It would take about 10 minutes for the wrong bird dog guy to screw a dog up. Or at least the dog would look at him and go, you're an idiot. I don't, I'm not listening to you because <laughs> you don't even know what you're doing. Like right. I've been trained and I understand what's, what's my, what my job is. And you're just, you, you're not even speaking my language. So, Do you yeah. think that's because of the amount of human interaction? Like, you know, you said you work more as a partnership Correct. with a bird dog instead of a taxi service. <laughs> so you have a direct effect on that dog and a lot more opportunity to, to expose it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So it wouldn't take long for a bird dog guy to undo training. Yeah, but uh, but you could do the same. I mean, honestly, uh, with a hound, if Mm -hmm. if there's different types of hunting out, you know, I mean, so at least in our world, with with the bobcat or the fox or whatever, we're not hunting off of snow. We're not looking for a track, and so we're relying on those dogs to cover ten miles, twelve miles, sometimes sixty miles in a day without without striking the correct animal, and to take a young dog, you know, now if you have a, there are dogs that can take a lot of pressure, what we call a lot of pressure. They're, they're going to be solid. They're really broke or whatever, but to take a dog, I mean, I don't know if you're talking about bird dogs that are seven year olds, or are you talking about bird dogs that are two or one and a half or two years old? For me, a hound at one and a half won't take the pressure that a seven year old will for me, for a hound, at least, you know what I mean? Like in my experience, my limited experience, but yeah, no. so I, I just look at it and go, the language is different. You know what I mean? You're talking about hand signals and points and woes and, and, and I'm, I'm real focused on covering a lot of ground and passing a lot of different tracks and taking pressure from other dogs that want to encourage that dog to do bad behaviors. And, you know, taking a young dog, one point, you know, a year and a half dog or two year old in a really good handlers, you know, somebody who knows what they're doing and, and has a good system and you hand that to somebody who doesn't have a good system mm-hmm. and and doesn't have the structure, sure. that dog is going to be way different. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It's just within a, a short amount of time, that dog's a way different dog. Um, it, so I I see what you're saying on the bird dog side, but I, I see that same comparison on the hound side. It's just we're a lot li- we're not as you know it's not the human that's doing it it's my other dogs my other the other crappy dogs that are like they're the bad influence it ain't me you just take credit for it or, yeah. or not yeah the importance so. of having a method for us was if my my thinking as a business owner was if i'm going to train dogs for the public i've got to have a method that's so simple and so distilled that i can teach somebody that's never trained their own dog and then they can go home and have the confidence to be effective. Cause, and to yeah. be consistent. Consistent, yeah. So so let's dive I, into that a little bit. So um, let's, let's, let's spill some of your, your secret, your secret sauce or whatever it sure. is, to sure. how, how would somebody create a method. And we're not going to get it. So we're that, not going to be able to tell your whole method. You know what I mean? No, like, but it, that's it's what's just great. too much. But let's, yeah, let's start where somebody has grabs a piece of paper and says, right. man, I got this bird dog. I'm probably your worst person ever because you're going to tell me all this stuff and I'm not going to do it anyways, but exactly. let's pretend I am going to. He's going right to say, that's interesting. Back. And then it's going to get just yeah. filed. Right. Well, so, luckily it's not just my method. This, this is a method that Bill West, Bill Gibbons, Maurice Lindley, Dave Walker. Um, those guys have been training upwards towards 50 years. So right. I learned from a mentor. I went to a mentor and let them teach me and, 
and then I, I've just tried to continue that going forward. So it's not just my method, but um, can, for, for us, we had to have one of the, one of the big things was with puppies is to start with a puppy and start having consistency with that puppy. One of the things that we do with our puppies is have, is teaching those dogs that living in my home is a privilege. It's, you're not entitled to just come in here and do whatever you want, run where you want, pee where you want, chew what you want. And so we would work with those puppies and we set up our clients and teach them, hey, you know, section off a little piece in your house and then set up a crate so you can start potty training and have a method to this exposure to your home. Same thing at my kennel, like my dogs are, they get exposed to this part of the kennel and as they can manage that, then they get more freedom. They're, they have it's a privilege it's a reward based type system and it's it works really really well on the flip side we get a lot of clients that go home with puppies and they just open the door and say here you go pup you're entitled to whatever i have and what's mine is yours and then by the time that dog's six months old he has zero unruly zero respect zero yeah he doesn't care what the guy's saying or what he's doing yeah. dogs running around controlling the house and they don't have and then they call me and they're like hey i got a six month old and he's surfing the counter and he he won't come when I call him and he's chewing my furniture apart. What do I do? Lack of boundaries. I mean, primarily, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Lack of boundaries, lack of, um, structure. I'm starting to get my feelings hurt already, man. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I got a train wreck story related to that and it's not even mine, but we'll hold off on it. We don't want to derail. (laughs) We need a method guys. Got to keep on the method. Oh, Okay, so building a consistency, and I think one of our topics we're going to talk about consistency here in, in a little bit, but yep. in a structure. So, um, is that something like you write down? Is like, hey, mentally, and that's I'm going to say that's kind of off leash training or off official, you know, off the clock training. You know, what I mean, it sounds like that's a lot of off the clock training. You know, it's not you're not working with a bird, you're not working with hey, we are actually doing training. This is like everyday life. Yeah, I kind of have to help my clients realize from the day they take that puppy home that that puppy's always learning. Mm-hmm. So whether it's off leash or off time or whatever, if he's in your house, he's either getting to be a better a better dog in the home or or a worse dog in the home or or with your family. So pups are always mm-hmm. learning, and what you're doing simply by setting up a, a we have an octagon little kennel. You've seen those wire kennels. We take a little teeny tiny puppy, eight weeks old. He sits in that kennel. He's got a little crate inside that kennel. And we start with the crate. We start with a feeding time. We start with structure of this is when, we're, when we feed you. We're going to feed you, water you, put you in this crate. You're going to be there for 20 minutes, and then you're going to go outside and potty. And when you're inside this little kennel, you know, this is kind of your this is your area. You, you kind of can come in here and do what you want. When you're outside of that area, you don't get a jump and bite. You don't get to chew the furniture. You don't get to jump on Kip, you know. Um, so just that structure from day one, because because if you go home and you don't do anything and you just put him in the kennel and then try to go out six months later and grab him. So what structure would you put in in when you take a hound pup and start training it? I mean, what what how do you how would you say your method? Mm. And I'm guessing they're a little bit different for hound yeah, they pups are. than they are for yeah. for bird dogs. Sure. So. So tell me one of the things that you're saying, you know, what, what is 
on your number one list for a hound pup, what's the first thing you do with it at home, or what what structure are you? Yeah, with so it? they don't come in my house. Okay. <laughs> That's the number one thing, right? They don't even. So start. they are not just prejudice already. We're prejudiced against a bird dog. They're the redheaded stepchildren. Well, I can tell you, I messed up with a couple of hound pups because I tried to train them like a bird dog. Mm-hmm. And then what I got was a hound that didn't that didn't want to leave, right? Didn't want to take out and go. He yeah. just wanted to kind of quarter with me like a bird dog. Hey, I'll hunt this 100, 100 to 200 yard range, but I'm not going. Why would I go out there six miles, you know? So I didn't create um, an independent, confident hound. So in your, in your method for yeah. a hound, yeah. you're going to do some things. That... I'm going to do some things different. One of the things yeah. is I'm not going to have him in the house. I'm going to keep him in a kennel in the backyard, and we're just going to focus on socialization and exposure for those first three to four months. And socialization meaning, you know, ex- expected behavior. So, so do you – my method's going to be a little different than yours. Every, I'm everybody's I don't is, have right. a, um, a, a kennel set up mostly because I don't have a kennel set up yet, but if I can get a kennel, I, I need to. But my structure for a puppy is, is I want it to bond with the pack. So, so, although I, we we socialize and whatever, but I want that dog to become a part of my pack mm-hmm. as soon as possible. So when we, we you know we we, I don't know if I I probably did feed independently, and now that I don't have a set of kennels right now after we built the house, they we feed on the on the back patio together. You know, I, I sit there and watch them, but but my one of my goals is I want that pup to be low man on the totem pole at the pack and i want it to go with the pack and so that it starts not wanting to be with me but be with the pack i guess and so that would be part of my if i had to think about it, i've never written it down like i said i'm a horrible student but yeah um just just thinking i'm like you know what that's how i would treat my hounds is my first thing is is the quicker they engage with the pack right. the more at ease i am for, for me yeah that makes that makes total sense one of the ways that we integrate our our young dogs with the pack is roading and I did mm-hmm. that this morning. That to me seems to be the like the simplest way. Just get those dogs moving, and those pups are running into older dogs, and they're jumping on older dogs, and older dogs are like, "Hey, get off! We're not doing that." You yeah. know, the older dogs are running past the rabbits, and the and the younger dogs are like, "Oh, there goes a rabbit!" You know, or what's the smell? <laughs> and, did you see that thing? Yeah, Holy exactly. hell! <laughs> yep. So for me, that's been. It seems like real intuitive for me just to road. And when I mean road, where it's just like five, eight miles an hour putting on the four-wheeler, you know, or the side-by-side and just, hey, this is, we're out here exercising everybody. My hounds seem to integrate real well if I do that. Yuri talked about that in one of the past podcasts is he would run dogs together, like walk them. And you notice they start coming in, you know, instead of walking on opposite sides and pulling next thing, you know, they're shoulder to shoulder. And he says, that's the time that you can get to work with them. Yeah, he that was a little bit different because he was talking about uh, protection dogs. But but I mean it, it's it's a good aspect of he has a method. Sure. That when he when he introduces two dogs, and if we just tie it back to to the method, you know what I mean? It's not so much what somebody's doing. I think that we're trying to hammer home on this is 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 kind of get your method. You know what I mean? Like whatever that method's going to be, you can always change it later if it doesn't work or tweak it or whatever. But I think what what the topic of this podcast is, is, is there's a lot of information out there. there. You can go on YouTube, you can go on whatever, and you can get a ton of different little pieces of everybody's method. And sometimes the best thing is not to just go kind of combine everybody's method and make this super method. 
That, that probably right. isn't going to work for you, but yeah, I've had I've had more people call me after what you just said. Hey, I've been on YouTube for six months now, and I've watched all these different methods, and I've and my dog's at this point and now. I'm stuck, and I and then the the hard thing is to tell them. Well, unfortunately, I can't help you get unstuck until we go back and rebuild the foundation. With for us, it was like, hey, you need to be able to do step A really well, and then go to step B, and then go to step C. And when step C doesn't work, you go back to step B. Unfortunately, if you grab Can a you little bit of here. Can you give me an example? Can you get, like, give me an yeah, example? Yeah, so for example. Without using um, names and hurting people's feelings? No. Um, <laughs> for, for example, <laughs> for us, like um, we use a, a method. You can use my keep... name, Jared. You can just say, well, buddy brought me a dog. And they'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, let's just take, for example, um, come go with me as a drill that we use to develop a pattern. So when we drop the tailgate, we want and go hunting and we're ready to go hunting. I don't have to carry a bunch of whistles. I don't have to have a bunch of hand signals because I've done a ton of work with this dog on a long line and I've created this pattern. It's a muscle memory for him. And so the end goal here is when I go hunting, he's going to move with me and him and I are going to work as a team. The very first step of that with a puppy is getting him used to a long line, dragging the long line. And then I'm going to pick up the long line and I'm going to start giving these cues and I'm going to start moving my body language through there. And then once he's got that down, I'm going to start asking him to move off of a really light cue. And then I'm going to add an e-collar in. And then we're going to get to where he's dragging the long line back to dragging it. And then I'm going to get rid of the long line. So the end goal is that when I go hunting, he's just doing this nice pattern in front of me. But if I don't do all those steps with the long line, teaching him not to worry about it, and then teaching him to move with me, and then teaching him to move with the cue on the line, and then adding a cue and a shock. If I don't add all those method, all those steps in there, then when I get to where he won't move with me, I have nowhere to fall back to, right? So I don't have a, if you don't have a fallback plan in, in your training, then when you're stuck, what do you do? Right. Okay. No, that makes sense. So it's like for, building blocks. Yeah, it is like building blocks. It's, it's just like building a house. For us, there's four commands that a dog has to have for a foundation. He has to recall when I call him. He has to woe. He has to heal. And he has to pattern. He has to move with me through the field. Without those four pillars, without that four, those four foundations, I'm not going to have a successful hunt with birds. It's just not going to happen. If I can't call him back and he's chasing birds out of the country, that just ruined the whole day. I mean... You hike six yeah. miles into Chucker Country. He busts a covey and he chases that covey for two miles. You're gonna be you're gonna be Burn furious. Yeah, you're gonna be so mad. You're gonna go back and listen to the e caller episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So having a method in that was is so man because it's so hands on. Yeah, I think it's not as obvious in hounds that that method. You know what I mean? Like if you if you watch a successful houndsman. They have a method. I think some of them may not even realize that they have a method. You know what I mean? Like a, a natural dog it's man. It's habit for them. You know, it's, it's habit. You know what I mean? They do the same thing, but it's not like they... It's not as obvious as a bird dog where you're like, okay, we're going to grab the long lead and do this. It's that they do the same thing and they do it the same way a lot. And they're, so they have this... It's, it's like an, un, an unwritten rule to them. You know what I mean? Like... 
And sometimes the only way you notice that is if you're out there with them and you just notice and you've hunted a lot with them. You're like, oh man, why do you do that? Or why do you do this? Or, you know I mean? Different things that a person will do that the dogs cue off of. And, but it's not like a written, written it's not deal. purposeful sometimes. Yeah. I think they just do it because it works, but they don't realize. Why no, I wouldn't say, I, I think it. it's absolutely purposeful. I just don't think it's written down. You know what I mean? Like I, I 100% believe that they are doing it on purpose. You know what I mean? Like they, they naturally, but I just don't think it's like, this is step one. This is step two. This is step three. Right. I think it's just, a, a, you know what I mean? So they, I think they're absolutely doing it on purpose, but it's not like in the bird dog, what Jared just described of long lead. And then we're going to do this. And, and I mean, he's almost got it like written down. So like he could be like, step one is this. Yeah, we do have it written down because you got to send home a guy that's net. You, you got to think back to like your very first dog. So where where Jason and Buddy are today, it's like it's like you guys speak in a second language. If you've spoken it for fifteen years, it's just fluent, right? You guys know how to handle a dog. You just start. So think back to your very first dog, and your very first time trying to train a hound without any older dogs to to lead, right? Yeah. How yeah. would you take a dog that's eight weeks old? What would you start doing to get him ready when he's a year? Yeah. And yeah. you don't have any older dogs. You don't have anything else. It's just you and that one dog. And from hounds, I think, I think, and, and we get this a lot. It's a difficult um, sport to break into. You know what I mean? We're 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 not as open to a lot of new people. You know what I mean? Like absolutely. Right. Um, and then the second thing is, is it's like, oh yeah, you just to a to a legit houndsman who's been doing it forever. It's just like, oh yeah, you just, you know, take a thing and go do a couple drags or do whatever. You know what I mean? Like you're just like, yeah, I just. But what you don't realize is, is it's just not that easy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it seems that easy <laughs> when you're doing it for so long, but to the new guys, they're like, really, I did that and that, that didn't help me one bit. You know? Yeah, just, I did just, the drag and the dog didn't have any interest at all. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So that exactly. what do you do? Like a hot dog. I mean, but it's just little things that that you know, and so I. I don't know what the answer is, you know, as far as for, as far as a houndsman to, to create that method. But as a new person, you really got to try and find that person to go out with and study them because there's the, there's the secret sauce, right? You know what I mean? You're just studying them. Watch what they do. Watch yeah. how they take them out of their dog box. Watch the little things that they may not even realize they do it. You know right. what I mean? When when the dogs are on the ground and they're trying to look for to start a track or you know, how they do it because they, they're doing that for a reason. You know, they may not realize why yeah. they're doing it, but they're doing it from experience that they've learned and, and stuff. And so I think with a hound, well, they know why they're doing it. It's just second nature. You've yeah. done it for 30 years, right? Like you're buzzing down the yeah. road, like there's line track. They, yep. and when I first started cutting line tracks, it was like, what's that? What's that? <laughs> what's that? Every freaking track I was stopping, every coyote, every coon, every fox, I was stopping and looking at it. Yeah. So for those now first, you can do forty. Yeah, and now you guys are flying down the road. You're like, nope, nope, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. no, yep, there it is. There or you're you're not even it's just so it's it's second nature. But I think that's the key in in the hound dog in in working with hounds at finding that mentor. Even in the bird dog world, when I look back to when I first started, right, I went and found yeah. a guy that's been doing it for forty years, and in one or two hours with that. With that gentleman, I learned more than I did reading 10 books. Yeah. And when you're with them, 
try to figure out his method, I think is the, because he has a structure. He may not realize it, but there's normally a structure behind that guy of the things he does, the, you know, and some of it you're not going to see, you're not going to see, you may not see him feed his dogs at night. You may not see him, you know, get his dogs out of the kennel in the morning. You know what I mean? And those are questions that you might want to ask, you know, if you don't get to see that part of his hunt in the morning, you know what I mean? If you don't get to see, well, my dogs are watching me whenever I, you know, try to not make eye contact because I got to go to work instead of grab the collars. And they're looking at me like, are we grabbing the collars? Are we grabbing, is he grabbing his coffee or his collars? And it's like, you know, um, little things like that that nobody gets to see because it's, it's you know, I, I don't have anybody here when I hunt. But um, there's always, and I don't know how I would explain how I do that, but I know in my head when I'm starting my hunt in the morning, somehow my dogs know when i'm going out and when i don't and sometimes i try and trick them and it's i can't the pants it <laughs> they know what pants you're wearing buddy yeah well i wear the same pants every day so i don't change <laughs> ever so all right whether uh, it's a bird dog guy or whether it's a hound yep. guy you've got to be consistent and you've mm-hmm. got to communicate and that, those two are key when i mean yeah. communicate it's a process where you're trying to teach the dog something but you're also trying to it's an exchange, right? Yeah. Like you're reading, you're trying to read the dog's body language and understand if he's accepting the what you're trying to teach. So it's it's two way communication is not just I said here that means you should run to me. Yeah. It's like I give the command or I give the process. It's and then you have to as a handler as a dog man you have to be able to read is that dog receiving this communication? Is he understanding it? Why is he getting confused? And then help him understand it. Yeah, and I think there would be some uh, many methods in each scenario. So depending on what you're doing, whether you're at a tree, whether you're starting a hunt, whether you're rigging, you know what I mean? Like any part, because there's so many different aspects of the hunt that I can think in my head that each one is like a mini scenario like micro macro you know what i mean so it's like you got this overall plan you know method to train it where it's like okay pop this 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 and, and you know step by step on on the steps you're going to introduce that pup through its its training method or whatever but then even in your head think about how are you going to treat the pup at the tree you know what i mean sure. how are you going to encourage or discourage behavior you know and and be essentially you want to have a method to that and i think those guys that do it a lot would would have a method they may not realize it but when they go to a tree they're going to be consistent on their method on how they you know treat a dog um depending on the situation so exactly um uh, lastly i want to touch back we got a couple minutes here before i want to try and keep them at 30 minutes but uh i also want to jared the importance of not there's so much information out there you know we were talking about this that you know, um, we had a conversation, you know, where it's like, okay, we don't want to confuse the person. This podcast is not going to be, this is not the method. This podcast is not the method to training a dog, right? This is to provoke thought and to create your method or find a method that you want to work with, whether that's, you know, your, your method that you use, Jared, you know, step-by-step you want to try and find and research and study that and, and, not just go out and look at everybody else's method and just try and take little bits and pieces of it. You really want to make sure that you, you follow a method and, and not just be scatterbrained, I guess, is the best way of describing it. Yeah, and, and from a hound perspective, I think that method 
I think one underlining um, things that I've learned from your guys' podcast and others is if you're hunting bears in Wisconsin, your methods are probably different than the lion guy in Arizona. Yeah. So if sure. you want to get into the hound world or the bird dog world, find like find the mentor that's doing what you want to do in the country that you're in and with the style of dogs that you like you you may change those things may change as you evolve through becoming a houndsman sure. or becoming a bird dog trainer but it, it it doesn't do me a ton of good to go learn how the running bears in wisconsin and then try to bring that back to arizona or utah so yeah. find find that guy or find that method that's effective in the country that you're in and the game that you're trying to pursue with the style of dogs that you're after. Jason, we pretty much kept you quiet. I think you just, just hit it right on the head. I mean, that's <laughs> just it. it. Even if you're an experienced houndsman or not, like even changing game species, you know, when we shifted from running bears to running fox, I got a good friend of mine in California that he says, when I switched over from running X game to Y game, it took me three years to be proficient at it. You know, because it is a different method. It's a different mindset. It's a different track style. There's so many variables. If you have a varying method, you're just, it's a recipe for disaster, I think. You got to really have it honed in. Or at least it takes longer to get there. Yeah, a lot longer. And a lot more headaches and a lot more wasted gas. (laughs) Perfect. All right. So, method. Like, whether, we're not going to tell you what the method is. That's kind of, you know. You gotta do your homework. You gotta figure out what your method and study, and some of that means go out with somebody or, or go do some homework. But but just think about what your method's gonna be. Let's wrap this one up, guys. Anything else? Did I miss anything? Nope, sounds good.